Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Well, good morning, Canada. Uh, today's date is March 29th, 2020. It's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC on an overcast day. Excellent, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Canadian Common Sense. So, uh, overcast day, but I'm going to guess it's probably really, really warm out down there. Uh, it's 10 degrees at the moment. It's uh, 7 a.m. I've got the dogs, and I'm out for a walk, actually. Well, that's excellent. Well, and you know what? We've uh, been saying, I'm not sure if we've said it on the show or not, but I mean, it's very important for all of us in Canada. Keep getting out, get some exercise and take care of yourselves physically as well as, you know, mentally. So good on you. Get those dogs some exercise and yourself as well. Yeah. Got to get out at this time though, because there's nobody else out. And uh, uh, because uh, there's some, like people get out here pretty Pretty early. Yeah, okay. It looks like the other guy diverted around me. So right. <laughs> just to keep their distance. Yeah, your social distancing and that's uh I even noticed that yesterday when I was out walking just around the neighborhood that someone approaches you on the sidewalk, either, you know, I'd move over onto someone's lawn or onto the street, whatever, and people were pretty good about keeping the distance. Just uh yes to get through this. So so yeah. just a little update on the uh the coronavirus. I know I'm going to lose my fight by when I call it the Wuhan virus, but I'm going to keep calling it that. Um, latest statistics as of right now, starting this show, we are at 5,655 uh, reported cases of coronavirus, 61 fatalities. So our fatality rate here in Canada is right holding at about 1.2%. So I would say that it's, uh, uh, it's 1.07. Is that where we're at now? So, to be exact, yeah. Perfect. So we're doing, a, as far as I'm concerned, quite a good job. Yeah, and if you and if you consider the fact that the vast majority of cases are not even uh, tested, exactly. Yeah. When they, so. when they call in, when they call in and say, you know, I'm experiencing a headache and like a really bad headache. I got a sore throat and I got a fever. Um, they're saying, okay, sounds like you, you, you like, you might have it. So stay home. Uh, and the only, only come in if you have, uh, breathing issues. So they, um, I mean, like we talked about this on the last episode and said, you know, that, that the, uh, uh, the pandemic, um, specialists are saying that it's probably more like five times what's actually being diagnosed as the actual number of carriers. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think that, uh, well, I mean, and, I, and I've said this all along that, I mean, we're, we've kind of overblown the, the, the seriousness of this, but I mean, we're, uh, we're in this now. So when I mean, we got to follow through with what we're doing, so, you know, yeah. stay home people and stay I mean, safe. I, I don't know that we're overblowing the seriousness of it because for for a certain demographic of the population, it is quite deadly. It is. Um, 
And, uh, and if you look at how easily it's contracted, that's the big thing, right? Um, the actual mortality rate is very low, but um, this thing spreads way faster than the flu, way easier than the flu. Yeah, that part is true. I mean, that, and that was why we discussed before, I mean, isolate those who are most vulnerable and, you know, let the rest of us let it run its course. But I mean, like I say, we've not gone down that road and we're on the, the quarantine road we're on now. So we, we got to keep doing it. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we finally had the, uh, the federal government finally stepped up for small business. Uh, they did. I was uh, actually impressed. Yeah, they've offered uh, 75% wage subsidy um, so that people can keep their employees on if work slows down and those employees keep getting full pay. And uh, uh, the only, of course, the only issue I've got with that is that the subsidy is uh, taxable for the business. Oh, um, for, of course. This but, is, this uh, is... Yeah. But it's it's it is going to be a big help for many businesses and many employees to keep those to keep those employees uh, on the payroll. And then when and that's why, you know, when uh, when this thing does uh, finally end for us that, you know, so a lot of these companies will still have their staff and that will uh, that will allow businesses to get up and moving um, without having to, you know, train all new people and search for staff and, and all that. They've already got them. Yeah. No, actually, I think that's a good move. I mean, it keeps the, those employees from going on EI, but uh, speaking of the EI numbers, it's uh, we're well over a million applications for employment insurance now in a matter of less than two weeks. And, Interesting comparison. I mean, the United States, with nine times the population of Canada, has just over three million uh, unemployment benefits claims right now, and which is about double the numbers, just in raw numbers, of what Canada has. So, whatever it is that the U.S. government is doing to try to keep employees off of the assistance plans, it seems to be quite effective. Well, okay. There's, there's more than one way to look at this um, because I think the Canadian numbers would actually be a lot higher uh, if people were able to even apply. Um, well, there is that, yeah. And I think so the American numbers may have the same issue um, just because I, I personally know someone who uh, for two days straight, Thursday and Friday, was on the phone on hold with EI for five hours both days and still didn't get through either time. And he, yeah, even, well, he, he took screenshots of his, of his uh, phone with the length of like the time of call. And it's like, he was up to five hours before they closed for the day. And so he wasn't even able to apply either day. Yeah. My son had the same problem because he, he lost his job and he's been trying to go online and the site keeps crashing. So I, uh, yeah. of course, cause he's a teen. I just said, you're up all night anyway, playing video games. Maybe you could try it two in the morning. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, he hasn't, uh, been successful yet, but I'm not sure he's also made that effort. So, so, and, and like I said, so 
if we're having those kind of problems in Canada, I'm sure the U.S. is having the same problems or more, considering they have you know nine times the population. They got way more people trying to apply. Yeah, that's 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 true. That's entirely possible. So, um, so yeah, I mean, terms, I've actually. So go here's, ahead. here's a big here's a here's a number that that really uh, resonates with me, and that's the number of deaths for each country. Canada has 61 deaths. Nine times that would be around 500 deaths for the U.S. Correct. And the U.S. has 1,600. Yeah, it's uh, it's really taking off there. And the number of cases, too, is a lot higher than ours. I mean, it's what, triple what ours is, I believe. So. Uh, they've, ta- they've talked uh, 110,000 cases. 110,000. My gosh, wow. Yeah. And I mean, but let's, again, we have to put that into context. A hundred, I mean, the number of cases really doesn't matter. Like the number of confirmed cases really doesn't matter because it all depends on how many people you're testing. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, unless you're testing every single person in the country every day or every two days, then that number of confirmed cases really doesn't matter. Because they're not counting the ones that have not been tested. Right. So, and then there's the number of recovered. I mean, nobody ever talks about how many people have, re- have recovered from it. And so, so far in Canada, 45% of the people who experienced symptoms are now symptom-free, including our illustrious Prime Minister's wife. She got the all clear yesterday. Yeah, I saw that, and that's uh, and that's great. I'm glad for her that she's well. I mean, she I guess she was feeling better right out right after the first day. But I mean, I'm glad that she's now clear and yeah. able to continue, you know, to go back into her, into hiding because I sure hadn't seen anything of her since before the last election. So I imagine she'll yeah, be I, disappearing I again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I was thinking maybe she was quarantining before that, but yeah. was, I, we haven't seen her in months. No, exactly. So we're. I, was, uh, it, it, I mean, who knows? We we had no idea whether she was whether she was alive or not for the last few months because nobody in Canada had seen her. No, exactly. So, so yeah, but uh, no, we're. I, I think there's there's numbers that matter and numbers that don't, and then those numbers that don't matter are the numbers that the media focus on. Um, well, exactly, because it's all about the hyperbole, right? So, well, you look in the U.S. and man, the media is using this as an opportunity to uh, trash Trump as much as possible, and have it to to for the election this fall. And it's like, are you guys kidding me? Like, I don't like the guy either, but this is getting really ridiculous. I mean, like, you're using a pandemic that the whole world is experiencing, not just the U.S. And that, you know, you can't blame on anyone but China. And uh, and you're, you're using it for political reasons. And it's like, come on. Yeah, you know, it's really ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's worse in the U.S. than it is here. But, I mean, the media has really lost any kind of credibility they may ever have had in the U.S. And that... And that that really started after the, the election of Donald Trump when they decided to go full activist, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, his, his, him accusing everybody of false news or fake news 
is i mean there's a reason he's doing it and it's because it's true um but i mean their reaction is when they're supposed like they're supposed to be the bigger people they're the media they're supposed to be the fifth estate right like they're they're supposed to be the ones that bring us the facts and they're not they're bringing us opinion and hyperbole oh yeah exactly i mean like i say it happens here too which is not nearly to that extent but yeah no i mean well no no i mean i don't think i've ever seen media bias the way i've seen since trump was elected and and that goes for the canadian media too uh yeah with, with regards to trump um they hate him more than they hated harper and i never thought i would see another leader that would get would be on the receiving end of the canadian media wrath the way harper did but man trump is even worse and he's not even our leader yeah yep that is true so so I did want to spin one positive out of this uh, this yeah. whole virus issue, and that is I actually was was positing with some some friends that this whole virus and our response to it has uh, been quite good for national unity of, of all the the surprising outcomes. People have you know found a cause to rally around together as a country, and you know there it's becoming actually quite trendy and hip now to stay home and. The, uh, there's a sign out front of my work, which usually says now hiring, which now just says, you know, stay home, introverts, paradise. And, yeah. and you know, and, and people are, are you know, kind of rallying to the cause. Let's uh, let's stay home. Let's fight this thing off. So well, it's, I'm going uh, to look at it a different way. I don't know that it's really doing much for national unity. I just think that people are distracted now. Um, I think well, you that, have made, you have made the point that nobody's talking about pronouns anymore. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. Nobody. I don't think anybody would dare bring that up now. I mean, you'd be you'd be ridiculed. I, I don't know why you wouldn't have been ridiculed three months ago, but you will be now. And yeah, uh, well, and that's so that's just never, There's no environmentalists right now. There's no social justice warriors right now. It's uh, and there's no separatists right now. But the thing is, is that that stuff will return. I mean, Alberta is still getting the shaft. They are still, um, uh, I mean, oil in Alberta is, a barrel of monkeys is worth more than a barrel of oil. Oh, yeah. It costs more to pull it out of the ground right now than it does, than what you would get for it. It's worth $8 a barrel. I mean, yeah. a, tube, a tube of polysporin costs ten bucks. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, this is this is horrendous. I mean, like, but had they built a pipeline when they were supposed to, um, they'd be getting thirty bucks a barrel, which is what West Inter- uh, Texas Intermediate Crude is going for. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they uh, as much as Trans Mountain is going ahead, it's still not done. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if they're working on it now with the current situation, but they should be because, like you say, the environmentalists are distracted. They're they're staying yeah. at home and they're snuggies. Yeah, and uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, everything that was important a couple months ago doesn't seem all that important anymore. Um, no, exactly right. So, but uh, now I said something to you yesterday, and you asked me if I was drunk. 
Yeah, and I'm, I really, I'm actually itching to get on this topic because, yeah, I mean, for our listeners, Lewis and I talk and text daily um, about things we can discuss in the show and whatnot. And yeah, so you had texted me something yesterday, and I actually wrote back, "Go home, you're drunk," and um, it has to to do with the the socialist government in British Columbia. So um, go ahead yeah. and and tell me what tell Canada why I thought you were drunk because. I told you that the BC NDP government is making the best decisions in this country regarding COVID-19 of any government in this country, including the federal government. And I, I hate having to praise them, but you know what? I am going to because they are making amazing decisions, the right decisions. They are the ones that uh, they have announced while Quebec and Ontario are in full lockdown. Alberta is heading towards a full lockdown. I think Saskatchewan is heading towards a full lockdown. BC, the BC government announced that as long as your business follows the COVID-19 safety measures of physical distancing and uh, and regular hand washing and all of that kind of stuff, you're allowed to stay open. Okay, and, you mean uh, non-essential businesses? That's right. And if they, and the bylaw officers have been given the power by the BC government to warn and eventually shut down a business if they aren't following the protocols. But as long as they are, they're allowed to remain open. And that is and, the right decision. And because of that, BC's economy is going to recover faster than everybody else in this country because their economy never stopped. It slowed down, slowed down a lot, but it won't stop. Yeah. And you know what? I, I got to say, like, um, I'm, well, A, I'm glad I'm sitting down. And B, <laughs> that that's a great move. I mean, there, there's absolutely nothing to criticize about that. That's, that is exactly what the rest of the country should be doing. And I'm, you know, I'm actually now very interested to see how that turns out because it's got to be nothing but good. I mean, even the company I work for, we have been considered an essential service, but we've let go eight people this just this past week. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how, how this all turns out. Well, I mean, BC, like, and it's crazy because the BC government, like you said, they're an like they're socialists. They're an anti-business government. They are pro-union, pro-worker. Like, except the decisions they make hurt businesses, and in turn, that hurts the worker. But right. Um, but what they have been doing since this outbreak has has uh, has occurred is they've been making the right decisions, and it pains me to say it, but I'm so happy that I can say it. And because, because I'm like, you remember when Justin Trudeau was elected and on the, I, and I said, you know, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope that he does a good job because to, 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 to wish and hope for the downfall of your country's leader and governing party is to hope and, and uh, wish for the downfall of your own country. And right. to me, that is unpatriotic. And that's, you know, 
it's unpatriotic and it's the wrong thing to do. And I, I hoped that Justin Trudeau would prove me wrong. And unfortunately, he has proven me right in almost every single instance, including his attempt to become a dictator. And, um, but here in BC, the BC government is proving me wrong during this time. And I could not be happier about it. Yeah, no kidding. Now, um, for those listeners who are not from Canada, the, the economy in British Columbia has always tended to bounce back faster than the than the rest of Canada, just historically. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but now because of smart, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, because of smart governing policy on behalf of an NDP government, um, they will again, and BC yeah. will lead the country. Yeah, and I mean, one of the reasons why we bounce back faster than the rest of the country is because of our um, because we're the gateway to Asia, basically, right? Um, right. For for Canada, BC is the gateway to to the uh, to, to the Asian continent, um, and we also uh, we also have a major like trade between us and Washington State and California, and um, and so that helps a lot. Um, where our, our economy is also a bit more diversified than most in the country. Um, now with logging, you know, going the way of, of the, uh, oil industry in Canada. Um, and, and I will say a lot of that has to land on the, on the lap of the current NDP government, the previous liberal government, uh, like BC liberal government. And yeah. uh, and the federal liberals who have made no attempt to get a softwood lumber deal um, in the last four and a half years. But um, despite all that, like our economy was still doing really, really well right up until um, COVID-19 sh- reared its ugly face. Right. Now, uh, you brought something up that actually I wanted to mention and talk about as well. Uh, you talked about how British Columbia is a gateway to Asia. And that, that's, that's true. And that's been true for, you know, century, probably ever before, even before Canada became a country, but we had been told by our federal government that, you know, there was a, the border was closed to all, but the essential travel and non-essential travelers were not allowed into the country. And then, uh, you know, they're screening at the airports that has not taken place. You had pointed out to me that there is five flights a day landing at Vancouver international airport, inbound from china and it's hard to believe that a thousand passengers a day are essential travel well i think that they're probably um repatriating canadians um because there are a lot of canadians in china um but and i don't know how much longer those flights are going to last i heard that they're going to be ending soon um but I mean, that's not a BC government decision. That's a federal government decision. Oh, true. Uh, YVR is is under federal jurisdiction. Uh, so, and it's one of two. Is it one of two or one of three airports in Canada that are allowed to accept international travelers at the moment? For there's, actually, there's actually four. It's uh, Trudeau Airport, Montreal, Pearson Airport, Toronto, Calgary International, and Vancouver International. Okay. I didn't know Calgary. Um, I thought it was just Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal, but yeah, Calgary as well. Calgary is actually uh, the third busiest airport in the country. So, yeah, 
Okay, so those those four uh, airports are the only ones in Canada allowed to uh, accept international flights, and that's to keep try and keep a lid on any passengers coming back that may have COVID nineteen, and they're able to uh, uh, quarantine those passengers a lot easier if they're just coming into a, a handful of airports. So and see, here's, and here's the interesting thing is when these passengers land, um, there's been a lot of anecdotal reports that they haven't been, there been, haven't been any screening. It's more or less, are you feeling well? Yes. Okay. Have a nice day. And yeah. thinking yeah, like, no, okay, exactly. that's a little lax guys. <laughs> it is. And that, that is, I mean, there are other countries that are actually taking passengers temperatures when they, before they get on the plane exactly. um, and we're not doing that. But uh, the other, the other thing I've heard is like, I know someone who works in a cannabis store in BC here and people are getting off the plane, going to the liquor store, the cannabis store, and then the grocery store and then going home. And, and there, there have been a lot of stories about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's like, come on. Like these people, it, it's like they don't get it. It's like they're they're completely oblivious to what's going on, and it's it's shocking to me. It really is, and it's unfortunate because that has caused Mr. Trudeau to uh, invoke the Quarantine Act, which I don't really yeah. think doesn't have doesn't seem to have a lot of teeth. It just seems that they have a bit more legal tools now to go after people who are choosing not to to self isolate. But really, he's just he had. It was kind of funny because I mean, Mr. Trudeau is very condescending, just on a regular day. Then he, oh, yeah. uh, when he did his his news conference, I think it was Thursday or Friday morning, and he said this. He said, "Enough is enough. Go home and stay home." And it was just, it was just like he was talking to his children, and I had to say, like, I get your message, but your delivery is way off, man. His and, and that was a, actually a comment my dad made to me yesterday, and he said he must have been a lousy drama teacher because he is not very good <laughs> at acting. Like he, he said, he he can't deliver a line without sounding condescending. And yeah, and I and I said, you know, you're exactly right. Like any time I've seen his news conferences on this COVID nineteen, his daily his daily news conferences where he gets to be a a spokesperson for the government like he wanted to be all along. Yeah. He, um, he, uh, his, his delivery is so fake. His, his, uh, sincerity is obviously fake. I mean, and you know it because he, he does it every single time that he does like, a uh, an apology to some group for some past, uh, sin that the Canadian government may or may not have done. And because he has made apologies to people for things the government didn't even do because Canada wasn't even a country at the time. And, yep. uh, and he, uh, uh, it's, it's, he starts, he talks, he speaks slowly and softly. And you know, and he, and he speaks like a CBC a- commentator. Yes, like like the way Gian Gameshi used to talk, right? Right, exactly. And it's, and it's but it's so the sincerity is so fake that it's it's so hard to listen to because it's so fake that that you cringe when you listen to him. It, there is no genuine feeling behind what he's saying or how he's saying it. No, well, it's funny because there was a 
a podcaster I listen to who was a CBC guy, and he hasn't done a show for a couple of years now. But I mean, his, when he would talk, he would talk the same way as Trudeau. Like one of his lines was, "Remember, and tomorrow we will talk to someone else." And I was like, "Wow, that, that actually sounds exactly like how Justin Trudeau does a speech. Like every yeah. phrase is its own sentence." Yeah, the just the the, the fake sincerity just makes me want to puke. It, it does, yeah, it totally does. I mean, I'm, uh, I and I, I've, you know, you and I have both tried to give him a pass in that. Yes, this is an unprecedented situation that we're in, and yes, there's a lot of information flying at you on a daily basis. But I mean, there's there's this, and on Friday morning, Thursday morning, sorry, there he'd come out for his press conference and had told, told reporters that he'd been speaking with the president of Kenya and of Uganda and whatnot. And and then I was actually our local talk show host here in Saskatoon that pointed out, why exactly is he speaking with these African leaders who really don't have a nexus with Canada unless he's still campaigning for a UN seat during yeah. a global pandemic? Exactly. And, and speaking of he, sincerity. Yeah, <laughs> but if you... I mean, one thing, all you have to do is listen to any of the provincial premiers or, or their ministers of health, and you hear a completely different tone than you hear from the prime minister or the, or the federal uh, minister of finance, because I, I will not criticize uh, the federal minister of health. I think she is doing a great job. And she is. She, yeah, Minister, uh, I, I always pronounce her name wrong. Minister, Minister Haiju. Uh, Haiju. Haiju. Yeah. yeah, she sounds like a monster from, uh, from Pacific Rim. But, <laughs> um, but she's been doing a great job and her news conferences are, are wonderful. Like she, she's, you know, well-spoken, articulate. She, um, she comes off with some sense of authority, right? Um, whereas Trudeau sounds like a preschool teacher and, uh, and Minister Morneau, every single time he speaks, he starts off with Canada's, uh, uh, Canada's ledger is the envy of the world. And, and I'm like, bull crap it is. Exactly. Like he always starts off with trying to, with a, with a campaign type slogan. And it's like, you know what? This isn't the time for that. No, that's right. And, and uh, you know, which other other leader is uh, has actually really shone through all this. And I'm sure that the Toronto Star and, you know, Toronto Centre Media hate this. But Doug Ford has actually really come out um, almost like a national leader in yeah. his province's fight with, against COVID-19. And I got to say, like, I, I didn't know much about Doug Ford you know, when he became leader of the PC party of Ontario and we became premier. No, but, I just knew that he was, that he was, uh, um, what's his face's brother, right? Um, Rob Ford's brother. Yeah. Rob Ford, yeah. Rob Ford's brother. I mean, that was yeah. all we knew about him. We, in fact, I mean, I kind of thought he was just because of the media's portrayal of the two of them. You've, you've thought Rob was the smarter one and Doug was the, was the buffoon. Right. Right. Um, and turns out he's, he's not, he's not a buffoon at all. And no, in fact, he's quite, he's, he's, he'll probably, he'd probably make the jump to federal politics at some point 
and he would probably be a uh, uh, an asset to to the federal conservative party. But I mean, I got to say, like the leaders that have really impressed me, the ministers of health that have really impressed me, are the BC NDP Premier John Horgan and his minister uh, Adrian Dix, um, who is a former leader of the NDP party. And I mean, and neither of them I actually care for. I, I don't like their policies. I don't like them. I, you know, they've, but in this, in this, I'm so impressed by them. I'm so really impressed by Ontario, uh, by Rob or by uh, Doug Ford and, uh, and his minister of health. I can't remember his name at the moment. Um, and then, uh, and then you've got the uh, uh, actually Premier Legault in Quebec has been pretty good. Uh, his approval ratings are through the roof. Um, the uh, and I actually watched uh, Newfoundland uh, Premier there yesterday talking, and I was I was quite impressed with him too. But you listen to their tone of voice when they're talking, any of the premiers, when they're talking, any of the ministers of health of the provinces, when they're talking and they, they have a, a tone of genuine sincerity, but genuine leadership too. And genuine, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, just, they just come off as genuine. Well, they're, and, you know, they're, they're professional. They're taking it seriously. Some, and yeah. And, and, and some of some authority too, right? Like they come off with some authority and, but you listen to the federal leaders and they just, they sound like a joke. Well, if you, if you heard Christopher Freeland speaking lately, I mean, speaking of condescending, I mean, she, I remember one of her earlier news conferences, she was, it was almost like she was trying to, to explain to the reporters what exactly COVID-19 was and it was this serious virus we thought really because we've been for a month and a half we've been fighting it so you'd think we would know it was it was a serious concern and uh yeah, yeah I mean she's as, as condescending as Trudeau maybe even more so yeah and this is and it's it's kind of surprising because like you and I when she was when the, when the Trudeau government was first elected like she was the one minister that you and I were saying, you know, we like her. Yeah. And, and I can't say that anymore. No, I used to adore her. And then, yeah, the, the bloom quickly fell off of that rose. I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, all right. So we've yeah. got a few minutes to go here. So one more thing I want to touch on, um, sure. you and I had talked about this previously that the federal government was looking at, uh, possibly instituting a an interest-free or a zero-interest loan to small businesses to help keep them afloat or help, you know, keep some of their expenses and whatnot. Yeah, and which they, which they th- has that happened? Yeah, it's a 0% interest loan up to $40,000. Um, and they may possibly forgive 10000 of that. Um, okay. But I just don't... As a business owner, I, I just I don't see it as a solution at all. Even at zero percent, it's it's uh, you're just adding debt to a, to the books. You're not and a creditor that takes precedence over everybody because they're the federal government, and they yeah. have they have the authority to put you in prison for for not paying. Um, 
because they take precedence over your payroll uh, to your employees. They take precedence over paying your suppliers. They take precedence over paying the bank. So, um, I mean, if you doubt me, don't pay your taxes. See what happens. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, yeah. So. It's uh, like, it's not, it's not a solution. And that's why that, that is the one program I am definitely going to avoid. Um, no matter what happens, I got to avoid it because it's not, it's not an answer. Yeah. And no, I see in my, I, I thought about it more after you and I talked about it and I thought really if the government wants to grant a zero interest loan, why not bring it back to uh, John, you know, Joe and Mary Canadian and make it a, okay, you know what, we'll, we'll offer you a 0% loan for home renovations. Or if you want to, you know, build a, build a garage on your property or something that would actually be able to be injected into the economy so that you could stimulate some growth right away. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would, that would be fine if, if like provinces didn't have full lockdowns, right? It, right. Yeah. I mean, you, you got two provinces, possibly a third and a fourth coming on board that are going full lockdown. And so those loans do nothing for those people if you're using it to hire contractors, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, not right now. Obviously, that has to be something for when the economy you know, yeah. opens up again. But yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm, I've never been in favor of uh, governments providing loans at all to anybody. Um, well, no, and see, that's been the whole thing with uh, this whole situation where you and I have really had to give our heads a sh- collective shake and pull in our hair out that neither you nor I have ever been a fan of government intervening in our economy or, or into our lives in general. But we both had to swallow the bitter pill that government actually has to do something for this particular uh, crisis that, that, that they created. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's why it's it's got to be them that come that that figures out a way to fix this because it's of their making Um, yeah and and i'm not saying that that you know i'm not not laying blame it's just because i mean covid19 is not the fault of our federal government it's not the fault of any provincial government it's not the fault of the u.s government it's the china it's the chinese government but we exactly. can't sue them. We can't sue them. We're not getting any money out of China. I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, so because Canada had to close down its borders and close down uh, large segments of the economy, uh, the only entity big enough to provide the funds to get people through this is the government. That's right. And unfortunately, I hate saying that because I've always been against it. But unfortunately, I don't think there's any way around it this time. And the, and the other thing is, is uh, remember I told you, I think we talked about it last show. I know we for sure talked about it through text and that is that I talked about debt forgiveness possibly being the solution to everything uh, because... Uh, because I mean, honestly, I mean, currency is just a made-up thing anyway. It's not real. It's not backed by anything, right? It's like it's not the gold standard, right? Like we used to have the gold standard, where your money was based on uh, that the amount of cash you had in your country was based on how much gold you had in reserves. And most countries have sold off their gold reserves, including Canada. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, we're on the fiat currency, which if you really look at it, the fiat currency has nowhere to go but to the point of failure. Um, because your the value of your money is based on how much uh, debt investors are buying of your of your currency, and uh, the only way to do that is for a government to keep going into debt. And if they're if they're paying debt off, then they're buying those bonds back. And so investors aren't investing in your currency; they're being bought out. And so your current the value of your currency goes down at that point. Yeah. And, so you, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. And so the fiat currency, for you to have a valuable dollar like the Americans, I mean, the Americans, a lot of it has to do with the, just the sheer size of their economy. It's the biggest economy in the world. Yeah. The other thing is, is that they have a trillion-dollar deficit every year that investors need to buy bonds for. And so it, it is a double-edged sword, and the fiat currency is destined to fail every single time. And... It so I mean that's that's where we're at right now, and I think I think honestly like it's been done before. Like this is something that people don't know is that back in the depression, the Great Depression, debt forgiveness happened. Like it has been done before. They had to forgive debt because if they didn't, the everybody, the entire countries were going bankrupt. And that included not just the people, but the governments. So, so they had to do debt forgiveness. And I, I still think I'm still saying you can't take it off the table. You know, I, I, and I mean, and anybody who listens to the show regularly knows I fought you on this from the beginning and I'm still not sure I'm completely on board with you yet, but you're certainly making me start to see the light a little bit more. Like it's, it's at least at this point now, it's a solution that I'm not going to just, you know, just discard right out of hand. And well, it's got to be a, there's got to be a reset because you can't have a population that where every single person is drowning in debt. Well, and that's, and that's, you're right. And and you can't have governments, provincial, civil and federal that are all drowning in debt as well. Like everybody's drowning in debt. How is that even possible? There isn't even that much money. So, like, how is every single government jurisdiction in the world in drowning in debt? And the the citizens in most first world countries are drowning in debt. And then you've got the second and third world countries where where the people just don't have any money, period. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, Like, Canada, we were leveraged to the point where I believe it was we were we owed was it a dollar 78 for every dollar that we earned? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, there was, before this, this crisis even hit, Canadians were already almost underwater. So you're right. I mean, now, especially now if people are, who are trying to get EI and are now living on credit cards or lines of credit or nothing, I mean, you're right. There's these debts that they're not getting repaid and that, you know, and, you know, compounding. So, yeah. So yeah, something definitely has to be done. And I, like I say, I'm not 100% there with you yet, but I'm at least now starting to understand that there has to be some kind of debt relief somehow. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know a, a bank manager and, and he told me, he said, you would not believe how many people have 
150 to $200,000 of debt, not including their mortgage. Oh my gosh. And I, and I said, how's that even possible? And he said, it is. And he said, they, they, he said, it's, it's insane how much debt there is. He's like, this is, this is going to be bad. It's going to be really, really bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, that number is unfathomable to me. I mean, even when I had my business and went broke, I was still only about a hundred thousand, you know, outside of my, uh, what they would consider normal debt. And yeah. I, I, I pulled the plug. So I can't imagine just a private citizen being that high. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said, it's, there's a lot more than you think. And I'm like, I don't even know how people sleep when they've got that much debt over their heads. Yeah. yeah no kidding. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, but on, uh, on that uh, note, <laughs> I yeah, think let's, we'll, we'll end the show cheerfully today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you for joining us, Canada. I mean, there's been a little bit of interference in the background with Lewis outside walking. And full disclosure, I tried to go for a walk with him, but without Wi-Fi, I guess I couldn't record the show. So, um, yeah, so at least Lewis got, Lewis got some exercise, and hopefully you do too, do too, Canada. Sorry, go ahead, Lewis. Yeah, and just and just so everybody knows, we are in two different provinces, so we wouldn't have been actually walking together. But <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> It would have just been a walk and talk, but uh, yeah. <laughs> there's certainly no way we can, can even get to one another's house in 45 minutes. So. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but let's hope this week goes better than last week. Um, the number, the COVID-19 numbers in BC uh, are, are showing signs of improvement. So uh, things are slowing down here in terms of uh, uh, deaths and new cases. So, uh, let's, uh, let's hope everything gets better here soon and, uh, let's keep on keeping on Canada. Absolutely. Stay home, stay safe. And, uh, until next time, this is Tony out here in Saskatchewan and Lewis in BC. Have a great day.